yes, 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 yes. What's up? <laughs> We're back. The Music Guy Podcast. Singing you a little major scale at the beginning there. How was that? My name's Al Rowe. I'm a music guy. I write songs, I sing, I make records, I play guitar. Uh, coming at you from the beaches. Just east of downtown Toronto here in southern Ontario, Canada. Um, happy to be back with you for another episode of this fine internet radio program. Joining me on the line, all the way from Whitby, Ontario, as far east as east goes, Mr. Michael Hebs. Hey. I have what's, nothing what's better What's going to say. on in your world this week, my man? Sorry, I'm just... I was clipping there. Um, <laughs> not playing guitar. Uh, but uh, in my world, absolutely nothing. It's uh, it's Groundhog Day. Or that new Amazon show, which is Groundhog Day, but it's Andy Samberg and some girl. I feel like uh, Groundhog Day would be better with, like, a companion, you know? Mm. I have a dog, so, yeah. you know, that helps. That counts. That just sounds really sad. <laughs> <laughs> um... What did I want to tell you about? Oh, yeah. We started watching this thing called uh, The History of Swear Words. I know. With Nick Cage, right? Nick Cage. Your your man, Nick Cage. I love Nick Cage. Is the host. He's so good in it. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. It's He's great. He's good in a lot of things. Uh, it's, like, not that good. Like, it's a bit of a fluffy show in general. Like, it's kind of just supposed to be funny and somewhat interesting. And it it is that. But yeah, Nick Cage. Nick with Cage a beard. is a sometimes great actor and sometimes really, really, really bad. And that's why I love him. You know, like it's yeah. not just because he is capable of being bad, but it's also because he's capable of being good and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I think he's great. Commits. Commits 100% whether or not it's absolute horseshit. <laughs> I love that about him. Yeah. Also, I love that. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have an Oscar for the longest time, and Nick Cage did. That that made me happy. <sighs> Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, spoiler alert, Leonardo DiCaprio, second most F-bombs in movies of any actor. Really? Or actress. Yeah. That's funny. That I think it was number in? two or number three. I think it was number two. What a guy. Yeah. Leo. Yeah. Well, uh, um, nice. So, anyways, here here we are. Uh, thanks for for joining us. It's a brand new year here. Is this our first new episode of the year? I have no idea. I think it, I think it is. Yeah, right? I think so. Twenty twenty one. Starting off with a bang, baby. baby. Yeah. So we're we're psyched to be here. We're psyched for uh, for the year to come, and uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have a lot of interesting stuff happening this year. We're gonna be starting to uh, to announce some new stuff. Not this episode, but. Maybe in the next handful. So um, hang around for that. If you want to support the show, uh, for now, all you can do is use the use word of mouth. Uh, give us good reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, yeah, we need some perhaps. Of some of them five-star reviews. That's, that's always helpful. Um, and if you'd like to ask a question... Send it to us, musicguypodcast at gmail.com or reach out to either of us on social media. If you'd you like to send us, us some a things song, on Instagram, uh, like that's that's a good good one as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and if you'd like to submit a song, believe it or not, we do play music on this music podcast. 
uh, we like to get people's original stuff out there, especially if you're an independent artist. Hit us up, send us an MP3. Uh, maybe you know, compliment my hair or or Mike's hair or something, and uh, you know, we'll we'll put it on. So that's sort of all the housekeeping that we have for today. We're, we got a big sort of deep juicy topic here i'm gonna just flip it right over to you mike you've prepared a little presentation for us <laughs> that's exactly how i would have said it yeah uh, it is a juicy topic yeah yeah um Hit so us up. so today is the i guess it's like our new like way of doing things uh, we're going to have interviews and we're going to have sort of presentation style episodes we'll still have like ones where me and al are, are chilling but this is a little bit more structured than you know me and al just being like hey what about you know the coup in america you know like the coup attempt <laughs> in america oh jeez uh, fun times but that's for, I, didn't, I, I didn't i didn't really see that i just kind of read a news article about it it you know, it's a mess. Twenty twenty one is just you know, it's it's yeah. it's looking really good. But uh, so this this presentation, I guess, is about uh, where music comes from, um, like like music, you know, that we yeah. do today. And like, who invented it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Who invented it? And obviously, <laughs> you know, I'm not a musicologist. I'm not a historian. Uh, I'm not Dan Carlin. But I was inspired by Dan Carlin's uh, podcast. Uh, what's it called? Hardcore History. And oh, yeah. just how he does things. So he takes like eight months to do one episode, but he like references like letters and, and books that he's read about it and, and just a bunch of stuff. But so if, if we wanted a full picture, we'd need hours and hours and hours and we'd need someone who actually knows what they're doing. But uh, I still thought it was an interesting subject. So uh, anyway, so when you and I play or sing music, Al, or when Billie Eilish sings or writes music or plays music... Uh, she plays ukulele, I believe. Uh, or Hank Williams, that old country singer from the 40s, when he wrote and sang music, uh, we use the major scale. Uh, so say, for instance, it's the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do thing, right? And uh, some people would argue and say, well, not everything is in a major key. But when you think about it, the minor scale is just the major scale in a different order. So say, for instance... <laughs> That's a B major scale, actually, because I'm tuned down a half step. Um, but so say, for instance, the notes of C major are C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. Uh, but if we start on A and rearrange those notes, so A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, uh, then we get the minor scale. Uh, and those are sort of the two keys. There's no other thing than major and minor. Now, there is like extended harmony, like... Um, What's that? What's that scale? The half whole scale and all that. But that's coming uh, the from a diminished chord, which is coming from the harmonic minor scale, which is coming from the major scale. So in every sense, everything is coming from the major scale. So like, where did that come from? That's kind of the thing that I was thinking about. Um, so why would someone like Hank Williams? Why would someone like Billie Eilish use this scale to? write music or sing music is it because they grew up with a theory background is it become because they grew up listening to music uh that use the scale which is certain because all western music does um now that's not to get confused with like eastern music eastern music doesn't i don't really know a lot about eastern music hence why 
not I'm not a musicologist. Um, <laughs> but this is this is specifically about the music that we listen to on the radio, like country, rock, pop. Uh, I mean, what are the styles of music are are on the radio? Indie, hip-hop? it all, yeah, hip hop, hip hop. It all uses Mumble the major scale. rap. Yeah, so all of this stuff uses the major scale. Um, EDM. Yeah, and like, why does this happen? I have no fucking idea, and I don't know if anyone does for sure. But they probably know more than me. Uh, so, it the notes themselves we choose to sing to today i think are in a sense invented uh so say for instance an a note uh its frequency is a is uh 440 hertz and Mm -hmm. uh right i don't like why did we decide that i it could be 445 hertz it could be you know 800 hertz but someone decided that a is 440 uh, so what we're going to talk about today won't definitively answer these these questions, but it'll point out some things. So for starters, before we get into this, I'm referencing a few videos uh, and, and one Wikipedia article, I believe. Uh, so YouTube channel Discover Maths Pythagorean Tuning video, Pythagorean, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, and then YouTube channel The Manil Collections, Pythagoras Music of the Spheres, uh, th- that video and then there's another channel called Two Minute Music Theories, uh, and the video is Mesopotamian Music Theory. So we'll link those all in the show notes because they definitely go into more detail. I kind of cherry picked things from them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we'll actually talk about the inventor of music. Right. Okay. So so, so sorry. Just to back yeah. it up just slightly. So so there's a major scale of notes. Most people are familiar with that. Do re mi fa sol la ti do. Those notes. Um, are each a specific frequency, and yes. as you will know from like tuning uh, guitar or whatever, it's like you, you're playing your E, and it's like oh that's flat or that's sharp, and you tune it up into the middle, yes. and like then it's in tune. Why is that in tune? Why is that considered yeah. in tune? And that's why the question that you're kind of asking, not, right? You know, because you can hear when it's not in tune. There's another video actually we're going to put in the show notes of a uh, of something using a different tuning system and it sounds mm. out of tune uh even right. though it's 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 a di- it's a different tuning system and it's still has logic behind it so it's kind of hard yeah to, and and to there's sense there's a lot i mean i got this peterson tuner recently yes uh and that uh it's got a ton of settings on it for like quote-unquote sweetened tunings yeah for different types of instruments um and I I messed around with the acoustic one because I play acoustic mostly, and apparently it comes from uh, James Taylor. I've seen that um, video. Detuning his acoustic slightly uh, and incrementally, such that you know each string beyond the the highest string was slightly flatter than it should be, quote unquote. And then um, uh, it actually resulted in this sort of warmer, better sound. I guess I quote tried unquote. it out; it didn't, didn't yeah. sound good to me. But there's a lot of you thought it sounded bad, eh? Or you just you didn't notice it didn't the work difference? For me. I, yeah. I've heard it. I've heard that there's certain sweetened tunings that really help instruments that have uh, intonation problems or like structural problems with the instrument because it's super uh. old or whatever. Um, yeah, so that that's a whole thing. But anyways, what we're trying to figure out is like why did we decide that A is 
440, and therefore all the other notes are are are, are otherwise. Well, and um, also too the major scale. Yeah. Like, why do we sing things within the major scale? So, say for instance, yeah, right. like what are melodies? Uh, we could go on. We could do an entire episode where you would list melodies. And then I would relate them back to the major scale. Like I don't yeah. know. Do you have well, a particular melody in yeah. mind? Yeah. What's what's a particular melody? Uh, the long and winding road dun, dun, long. that leads. So D, C sharp, A, F sharp, B. So that B minor scale is just the D major scale in a different order, right? You're starting on the B, and then you're you're moving on to. Uh, you know the the notes of the scale, um, right? So that first, even that first note of the melody, is you know the D from D major. Yep, yep. So it would be if you were comparing it to the major scale, it would be um, six. Uh, sorry, yeah, no, it would be one. It would be one, and then yeah. seven, and then six. So it's the yeah. you know the first note of the major scale, the seventh note of the major scale, and the sixth note of the major scale. And I mean, yeah. like, we could keep going with that. That's how I figure things out by tune. By, and by what, ear, that's sorry. the thing is we do that all the time when we're learning songs or learning chord yes. progressions. We're always thinking about, okay, what is this chord relative to the major key that it's in? Yes. Even if it's in a minor key, I'm still yeah. always relating it back to that major key. Yeah. If cool. you wanted to listen to something that didn't relate to the major scale, you can listen to uh, 12-tone music, Schoenberg and all that stuff. Mm, it's like 12-tone yeah. stuff. And that, but you could almost argue that that's made uh, uh, in response to major scales, right? They've taken the yes. major scale, and he's almost like, well, everything's written with this. Why don't I write something that isn't? And if you listen to it, to me, I don't like it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that was like, like a very... Wasn't that a very sort of representational way of writing music? I don't know when what representational he, he, means. Well, he was like, if you're playing in C major, like you're never playing C sharp, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how can we write music in a way where like all 12 tones I are see, yes. equally represented? Um, but anyways, it sounds bizarre, right? So why is it that our ears were drawn to this this major scale yeah and then music kind of just went forth with pretty much only that yeah and nothing else people without training too that's what they sing yeah you know someone who's never played a scale in their life you know they sing and it's like well why so to understand this a bit better uh we have to talk about pythagoras and have you heard of pythagoras uh i've heard of the pythagorean theorem where the triangle uh, I'm already don't know what it is. Uh, Wait, hold I on, had hold to on, look it up on. as well. The hypotenuse, something about that. Yep, yep, is equal to. Oh uh, shoot! Is it the sum of the square root of each side or something? I think no. you're right. I don't know. I really don't remember algebra, but the formula, as I wrote <laughs> down in my notes, is a squared plus b squared equals c squared. So if you know two sides of the triangle, uh, you can right. figure out the other one, right? There um, you go. That's something right. we've all been taught. We all know him as like the math guy, uh, math nerd. But uh, he was also a philosopher. I feel like I read that he also did music as well. Um, I might be wrong on that. But to him, like music, philosophy, and all that stuff, it's all the same shit. Um, and same with math. It's all the same shit. So he was born like 2,500 years ago. So it's, it's a okay. long time ago. Uh Interestingly enough about this this math guy is uh he should have a podcast. 
yeah. the Math Guy podcast. The Math Guy podcast. Uh, but uh, he's not confirmed to exist. Uh, but huh. uh, or he could have been multiple people. None of his writings himself survived. Uh, but his students have written about the things that he taught and have referred to him. So mm. another thing, they're even unsure whether he had actual students. He may have had a cult or a club, so like followers, which is mm. weird. Uh, or maybe it was somewhere in between, like a math cult club, which is sounds really funny. Um, sounds like I'd be into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's weird because they had like ethic, ethics rules. Like, you know, they were strict vegetarians. They lived communally. Uh, so it's pretty culty. Um, right. But, but yeah, the big point is math, religion, music, and philosophy are all the same thing. And you'll see this. I'm not going to talk about this now, but if you're, if you're into this sort of thing, um, in the Music of the Spheres video, they have like a theory about, you know, how the, the planets harmonize with each other, like musically. Uh, and this, yeah. this is, it's a weird thing. But like other, uh, I, I feel like you as an astrologist have like, you know, years, hundreds of years later, still used that theory. So anyways, enough about Pythagoras, enough about shit that we, we don't care about. Uh, how he contributed to, you know, the major scale and, and music that we do today is he figured out tuning. Uh, so which is what notes should be what pitches or frequencies. Uh, and in a way, he figured out the major scale by doing this. Um, so story goes, he was passing by a blacksmith shop dude was making things you know with with metal and hammers he heard the hammers producing the different pitches and noticed that the hammers were of different sizes and weights and then he figured out that the bigger hammers made a deeper sound and the smaller hammers uh made a higher sound which are observations that um that uh every like everyone would have made at that point right but he decided to go home and he took a bunch of strings of different sizes uh just like the hammers right and he messed about and what he realized were that the different ratios of the strings to each other could produce pleasing sounds, right? So not just, you know, oh, yeah, this is higher, this is lower. But say, for instance, if this string is this ratio to that string, when I play them together, they don't sound like shit. Um, mm-hmm. So all of this stuff that I just mentioned there is from that Discover Maths Pythagoras tuning video. It's also in the music of the spheres thing. That's going to be in the show. So, notes. for example, if if one string was twice as long as another, that would be an octave difference, right? Yes, yeah, and that sounds pleasing, you know. Right. Um, so, say for instance, that was exactly wh- what I was just about to say. Uh, the ratios that he found to be like the most pleasing were uh, if you cut a string in half, or the opposite, if you double a string, you get an octave, uh, or if you cut a string and you, at the two thirds point that two-thirds point, you get a perfect fifth. So say, for instance, the octave was this. And together, they sound good. I'm not in tune. (laughs) Uh, But uh, if you cut a string at two-thirds point, you get a fifth. Right. And they'll sound good together. Uh, And if you cut a string at a three-quarters point, um, which I'm probably not using the right terminology for that, you get a fourth. And those sound, sounded good together. Like, you have yes. to understand at this point, I'm sure they had instruments. Uh, I don't know what the tuning systems were for those, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. say, for instance, in the case of this, those notes don't sound that great together because they're not in tune. Um, yeah. If I fix that, that's a bit better. It's not perfect, but it's definitely a bit yeah. better. Um, so, 
if we took an instrument and we played, we could only play these three notes, we get like a basic sort of key structure, right? So that would be the one, and that would be the four, and that would be the five. And that's not really like enough to make music with. <laughs> you know? Uh, so. But it's interesting you should say that because as soon as you played those notes that you just played in the way that you just played them, to me that had like a medieval almost feel to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if you you composed a song with just one, four, and five in the octaves of those... um, Oh, you're in B. (laughs) Yeah, 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 maybe. You know, it has that kind of like... Very early human history kind of vibe to it in a way. So maybe that has something to do with what you're talking about. Well, and so uh, there was a cool video, and maybe I'll find it for the show notes, but it was a guy singing some of the earliest uh, music. And uh, and it's funny. It sounds – it almost sounds more like harmonic minor, which is Hmm. bizarre. That's a whole other thing. Um, But so – the next step he took from here to get more notes was he took that that initial note and i think i'm playing a c but really i'm playing a b so i'll i'll play a c this is a c here um and then he took one of these intervals and continued with it so say for instance he took, he took a string and then he cut it in uh to two-thirds and then he he lined it up with that and so we had the original string another string that was two-thirds of that string and you get a fifth, right? So you get C, you get G, and you continue that process. So from G, you get D, and from D, you get A, and then from A, you get E, and then from E, you get B. Uh, actually, yeah. yeah, you get B. Um, so all of that together, like it's not really... It's not like... You couldn't really make music with that, right? Like, it's too spread out. Yeah. Um, right. But if you line up all those notes within one octave, so in the case of the next note that would be available in the octave would be a D, and the next note that would be available in the octave would be an F, sorry, an E, uh, and the next note that would be available would be uh, a G, and then an A, and then uh, a B. So... You get that, right? So that's almost the major scale. For some reason, he decided to get one more note. So instead of being like, this is going to be a six-note scale, he decided to go down a fifth from from the uh, original note. So that's... Which gives you a fourth. Yeah. yeah. So the idea... Yeah, that makes sense because that's kind of... By, that was already by default a note that you could get. Yes, uh, yes. From you his know, original from your thing. starting point. Yeah, now, yeah. Yeah. An- another thing as well, um, so the the issue at first, I'll just name those notes at first. So we had C, G, then we had D, then we had A, then we had E, then we had B. That was the original thing, and then he brought it down to the octave. So instead of going C, G, you know, uh, C, G, D, A, all of that stuff, it's C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. So that makes the major scale, um, which is where all of music comes from, um, which is crazy. Uh, so the thing is with this though, I'm not playing this on an instrument that's tuned in the original tuning that he used. Um, Mm -hmm. so the idea is his specific ratios are mathematically more perfect 
than what we use today. We use something called equal temperament, which we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about later. But there is a video that we're going to link to of an instrument tuned in Pythagoras tuning, and then he actually reference. I'm pretty sure in the video he plays something that's in our normal tuning. Um, the issue, the reason why we went away from Pythagoras tuning is because the as I go up an octave, they become more out of tune. So say, for instance, when you get up to the next octave of the major scale, the notes uh, are, are like, not doubles. So say, for instance, with a C note, if the C note's frequency is 1, then the octave's frequency is going to be 2, the next octave's going to be uh, 4, and the next octave's going to be 8. Yeah. It's, it's always doubled. Um, so we sort of made this thing called equal temperament, um, that, not even that we made something called just intonation so that all the octaves would be equal and then there was an issue with that and then we finally adjusted to uh, to equal temperament um, and from this point on you know we ha- now have these tunings that you're talking about the sweetened tunings you know oh mm-hmm. this is the acoustic guitar tuning grand pianos have their own fucking weird tuning it's a mess but the point being is that um this dude, this this Greek guy, uh, two thousand five hundred years ago, invented the major scale that we make music from, um, or at least that's sort of what I had taken away from this. Um, and the unfortunate thing is that's actually not the case. Um, I I saw another thing, and this is kind of what sparked me to want to do this video. And I'm sure other people have made this observation, but apparently five thousand years ago, the Mesopotamians. So the Sumerians, I think it's the same thing. I think Sumerians were a type of Mesopotamians. Uh, They had, like, this is the oldest music theory that exists. Um, Mm -hmm. They had a a horn that played the Lydian scale. Wow, really? So this is 2,500 years before Pythagoras. And they didn't, it's not like Pythagoras that we know of looked at this and then made his thing. It wasn't passed mm. down. Um, so the Mesopotamians, in a way, came to the same conclusion that Pythagoras came to. So say, for instance, this is the major scale, C major scale, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then one, right? The Lydian scale is the same thing, one, two, three, but instead of four, we move up to the sharp four, so... And also, mm-hmm. too, the Lydian scale is a mode of the major scale. You could you could get it by, you know, starting on the fourth note of the major scale. So it's like, why why is that the case, you know? Did, did he invent music theory? Or is this something that we, you know, uh, specifically want to hear, evolutionarily speaking? Mm-hmm. Um, so that completely, like, messes up everything to do with it. Because the way yeah. that they found this was was on a cuneiform tablet, but it's the oldest music theory uh, five thousand years ago. Well, the interesting thing about the Lydian scale is that it's it's got no bad notes when it's played yeah. over its its chord, right? So if you take C, and you know everybody knows that C is all the white keys, but if we're talking about C Lydian, your F becomes F sharp. So, and in like. In the school of jazz, at least, if you're talking about writing melodies or soloing over chords, you never want to have a note that's a semitone uh, above one of the notes in your chord. So if my chord is 
C, E, and G, and I play an F, which is a semitone above an E. It's got this weird kind of sort of rub to it that's generally not pleasant, but if I play an F sharp, also kind of angular sounding to me, but anyways, the way that they teach it is that that is okay because it's a full tone, as opposed to a semitone, sure. it's a whole tone away from um, from one of the notes of the chord in terms of being above it. So um, it's interesting that that was discovered first for whatever reason. Yeah. Because uh, in terms of like, um, uh, in terms of, you know, what people find to sound pleasing or not, the sort of prevailing uh, knowledge, I guess, is that uh, the Lydian scale is the most pleasing sounding scale yeah. Yeah. Uh, over its its chord, you know, but... I still, I don't there's know. There's no I mean, reference that I could find about how they figured form. out this Lydian scale, right? Because like I think a lot of people take mm-hmm. for granted that it's like, oh, these are the notes that people sing. And it's like, well, yeah. why, why, why did we decide that? You know, because Eastern harmony is different, you know? I just think it's uh, it's it's interesting that we we decide to play these things and sing these things and make songs yeah. out of these things. Like, literally everything we do is in relation to these things. So, uh, let me let me let me ask you this. Does um, I have two questions. The the first is like okay, let's say there's like um, let's say they're doing construction across the street from your house or whatever, or they're like they're pulling up the sewer drains. They got one of those big trucks that's just on all day. Yeah, you know yeah, those yeah. trucks I'm talking about. They're just on. They're just rumbling all day, right? And sometimes you know you can almost hear like a. You know, like a fifth sure. within the rumbling sure, of that, sure. yeah, that yeah, yeah. truck, you know, or maybe like an octave and a fifth or something uh, in the rumbling of that truck. Like, does that have anything to do with these discoveries? Is that, like, when those things resonate in that way, are they, quote unquote, in tune pitches with you know the 440 tuning system that we have i have no fucking Um, idea one thing though that that makes me think of is the music of the spheres now i wasn't going to talk about this but it is kind of interesting so plato sorry not plato plato apparently really liked uh pythagoras uh but uh pythagoras had this theory that the the planets all like made harmony together and I'm not sure if there's, mm. it's their movement, but they just like, say, for instance, there was a tone, and I will butcher this because I didn't look into this, but uh, it's in that that uh, Music of the Spheres video. The idea that I understood was that each planet had like a tone, and mm-hmm. they, they, they like had intervals. So say, for instance, you know, Earth and Mars together would make an interval, and it would be harmoniously pleasing. And we would listen to it, and we would like it, but obviously we can't hear it. So he, yeah. he like thought that... That'd be some he, low frequencies. Yeah. Well, he thought that it, every planet like sort of had a harmony together. So I guess in the same sense that you're saying yeah. with the truck, that everything has this note and harmony. I don't. I don't think everything is in this tuning instinctually. I just think that mm. there is something to be said. I think we like, you know, the distance of a tone, like say for instance the distance of a or a, a whole step, and the distance yeah. of a half step. You know, like the how big those are. You know, any any bigger would be a little bit too much. 
if we had a scale mm-hmm. that was comprised of more than that and any smaller it'd be like too you know dissonant but it's just bizarre to right. think that some math dude figured this out but it's not really him but he kind of you know maybe made it a little bit more uh he allowed us to get it to the point where now we have equal temperament you know and i guarantee right. you like a thousand years from now we'll have something else you know something even so better. how does equal temperament work the the way that equal temperament works from my understanding so what the issue with just intonation which is what they did to fix uh, the plato tuning in the one video about sorry the pythagorean tuning in one video about the pythagorean tuning he does actually play some stuff and, and talk about the problems with it uh so say for instance when i play an octave together that sounds good um with the pythagorean tuning it, it wouldn't this one would be i think a little bit sharp or something like that and then when i get up to the next octave that one next one's gonna be a little bit more sharp so i can't really i can't really write melodies and, and chords and stuff like that with that so mm-hmm. just intonation i don't know how just intonation works but that fixed that uh the only problem with just intonation was if i wrote a song in c major those notes would be fine but say for instance if i were to on that same instrument try to play a song in g major they wouldn't sound good because in the key of g major the c note will be different than in the key of c major which is Mm. bizarre and in the key of a major the c note would be different so you'd have to have like a different instrument for each each tuning yes so equal temperament what they did was they averaged out the notes i believe and so that there's only one c note there's only one d note uh and they're all equally wrong but they all equally work that's why sometimes when you play a chord on your guitar it just doesn't sound good even if you're in tune like perfectly in tune doesn't sound as good as his uh i remember my teacher tony sorzy at humber was talking about that like oh you want your thirds to be a little bit whatever i can't remember if he said sharp yeah, a little flat. bit flat if yeah. you're if your major third is a little bit flat it 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 sounds better in terms of um ringing because there's these things called beats i'm gonna get my guitar hold on a sec <laughs> i have something meaningful to add to this conversation there you go so so there's these things called beats and this is like this is a rabbit hole and this is not like beats by dre or uh, uh drum beats it's a different thing this is a rabbit hole you can go down if you want um dear listener okay so my guitar is still in tune somehow so i'm playing fifth fret b string and open e which should produce the same note they have a slightly different tone to them because of this is an open string and this is a fretted string and they're different thicknesses and stuff but they're the same pitch now if my e string's out of tune we can hear that those notes are not in tune yes but what what you really notice once you've once pointed out to you is that there's actually uh like a wowing happening between the strings and there's a speed to that so if i play this again i don't know how clearly that's coming across the microphone but you can hear wow 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 yeah yeah almost like a leslie cabinet or like a tremolo on a thing right yeah so the further out of tune they are 
the faster the wowing is. Sounds horrible. I'm sorry I'm subjecting you guys to this. But as you get closer in tune, the and these are called beats, by the way, the speed at which the uh, the wowing is happening. Now we can hear wow, 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 wow. And if I go a little closer. Wow, wow, wow. It slows down, yeah. And now it's almost unnoticeable. There's a very, very, very slow. Wow. <laughs> like super slow, right? Yeah. But um, anyways, that's how you, uh, that's one of the ways that you can determine that notes are in tune with each other. So what happens, though, is when you play, um, you know, like a D chord, like you're saying, for example, you do hear a little bit of that that wowing happening but if you if you detune if you flatten the third note of the chord which in this case is our high f sharp now you you get uh a more quote-unquote pleasing there's no there's none of that wowing happening yeah but if i bring it back in tune Now this is in tune, according to my Peterson. There's actually a little sort of instability between those two notes. It's hard to describe exactly, but it's almost similar to that wowing. So, but in the context of a track, this works. But in solo, and this is probably why some of these guitar players... See how much cleaner that sounds? It's all of a sudden, it just rings, like, so true. I bet you that's why some of these guitar players are messing around with um, sweet tunings. But inside of a track with other instruments that are playing, it just sounds like mud to me. Unless every other instrument was on the same page. Right, yeah. That would take a lot of work. It's just, I find it so interesting that we can just instinctually know these things and pick pick them up. You know, like, why, why do we know what into like evolutionary speaking like well okay well let me let me throw this second thing at you uh what about the overtone series so interesting thing about the overtone series is that horn that i was talking about the uh the the mesopotamian fucking horn it played the overtone series Okay, can you explain what the overtone series is? Because a lot of people aren't going to know. I actually don't know. I just know <laughs> it's pretty much the Lydian scale with extra shit on top. So, okay, here's the way that I think it's similar to what you were talking about about the fifths, but I'm going to just Google it just to be sure. Um, but so, hold on. Isn't it crazy though? Five thousand years ago, like they oh, knew yeah. the overtone series, but they didn't. Maybe they maybe they knew what it was. You know what I mean? I, I have no idea. I remember I learned about the overtone series when uh, when I was at Humber, and I was like, I will never fucking need this, and I never have until right now. Right now, I look. But like this a, is um, this is like okay. So I'm just just sort of looking this up. This is a, similar to what you were talking about about the harmonics of a string. So um, half length of a string is an octave higher. A third length of a string is a fifth above that octave 
uh, a quarter length of the string is a fourth above that octave. So what you end up with is um, this. If you've got your fundamental as low C, you get an octave above. Then you get a fifth above that. Then you get a fourth above that, which is another octave. Then you get a major third, a minor third. So now we've completed a, tri a triad. That's like a major chord. And then you start getting some weird stuff. You know, B flat gets in there. C, D, E, uh, F sharp, uh, G, A flat ends up in there. Anyways, it gets real crunchy after that, but this is sort of as you continue to divide that, that string, uh, you get these other notes. Also, uh, and once again, I was not listening at Humber when they were teaching this because I, real, I just decided it was not useful. Um, if I understood correctly also too, when you play a note, doesn't every note have those harmonics in it in relation to the note? Yeah, depending on how the instrument is, uh, I think, resonating, but this is a little bit beyond my, my expertise. Yeah. But yes, each, each note has these quote-unquote overtones you know sort of playing with that note even though you sort of think you're only playing the one note there's actually a series of harmonics that are happening on top of it that give it that full range sound so it's a little bit like um you know like vocally <laughs> vocally if i like if i plug my nose i lose you some of some, those yeah, overtones yeah. and if i let that go it it brings those back and now there's a brightness and it sounds full full range and natural to me even though i'm talking one note how did how did how did the mesopotamians figure that shit out i don't know they were way smarter than we are i, I guess i mean they're yeah. not around anymore so wasn't that smart yeah <laughs> but uh yeah no that 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 is my presentation though that is that is the conclusion yeah. that i came to is that i have no idea whether or not it was invented or whether or not it's instinctual it's probably a bit of both um and that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder if that overtone series has bearing on, you know, where the um, where the equal temperament tuning is coming from, and where the uh, uh, like the rest of the notes of the major scale are coming from. Uh, I, I know but, that equal temperament was a development from just intonation. I'm pretty sure it mm -hmm. was to fix so that one instrument could play in every key. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that the overtone series is more to do with the Pythagorean tuning. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. It would be interesting to hear music that is written specifically for these tunings. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it'd be interesting to hear music that was written in different tunings. But for some reason, you know, this is what we, we stick to equal temperament, you know? Yeah. Um, right on. But, uh, I think that that's that that shit is crazy, and I'm never going to think it, about it past this. I never want to do any further <laughs> research, and I'm sure somebody's made this connection between the Mesopotamians and Pythagoras, but I just thought it was pretty fucking neat. Yeah, no, it is. It is super interesting, and I mean, is there any value in deviating from the major scale or from A being 440? Okay, well, that's one thing. I 
do you, have you ever heard about these people that think that A should be three thirty, uh, four thirty four, or something? Like, what, what, what was it again? A should be. Do you know what I I'm talking know. about? But I've heard, um, you know, different. Tu- there's different possible tunings for A. You know, like even on a on any standard tuner that you buy, you can set what A is. Is it four forty, or do you want it to be four forty one or four forty two? Right. There's people I can't remember and. Um, Okay. Many countries and organizations followed the French standard in 1860s of 435. Uh, so apparently people have, yeah, changed this. There's mm-hmm. Chorton pitch. So that guy uses 430. Um, apparently A440 came from just intonation, which would have come from Pythagoras' tuning. But I know that there mm. are people, um, they're usually older guys who swear by a different tuning it's like flatter um you know where all the notes are slightly lower and they're like this just sounds better but i think that's the full shit if everything is just five cents flatter you know what i mean like it would sound Mm -hmm. different but i don't think that we would pick up on it and be like wow this record that being said if you did release a record that was all five cents flat maybe on a subconscious level people would be like there's something different about this record you know what i mean well t- there's a lot that happens a lot with tape right sure um records that were made to tape they can uh, depending on the playback speed or whatever of the the tape machine as it was being um you know bounced down to two track y'all have a lot of records that are like slightly sharp uh or whatever of of which is super annoying when you're trying to learn the songs yeah. Uh, <laughs> or YouTube but, I mean, other when somebody that, tries to to get around the algorithm. Remember that? They'd like yeah, to put it in a different that's key. That's true. People still do that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. When you're posting it to YouTube, apparently that doesn't work anymore. Um, oh, it doesn't work anymore? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there's like, I've heard stories where uh, I, think there, I think it was a police song where they just sped it up after the fact. Everything had been recorded and done, and they were just like, I think this song would sound better a couple beats quicker, so they just sped it up. So the whole thing's sharp, sense. you know. But it's like, it still sounds great, you know. So yep. so I think there is some amount of um, leeway there in terms of like, I don't know if you listen to a record that's slightly detuned and immediately realize that it is. It would be interesting, though, to listen to a record that's maybe 20 or 30, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything is 20 or 30 sense lower but but yeah i don't think like it's it's all about the relationships between each other the the more obvious thing would be you know if you listen to a record that was written with pythagoras tuning or just intonation or some other tuning system um yeah which would be cool uh but i'm not gonna do that so probably be pretty painful yeah I'm which imagining is imagining it doesn't sound though. good why is yeah. that painful because well, we're, con- we're conditioned to. yeah 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 especially with us being musicians like you know what what in tune quote unquote in tune sounds like has been drilled into our brains and ears for 30 years like it's gonna be tough to to listen to but i mean there's also value in detuning stuff um you know from a mix perspective too right like if you want to stereoize something sure like there's an old trick with vocals where you uh, you copy the vocal 
twice. You got your vocal track up the middle. You copy it twice, put one to the left side, one to the right side. So now you got three. You got your center and your copy on the left, your copy on the right. Um, and in order to uh, get them to sound meaningfully different from each other, because if they're just the same, they're, they're you're not going to notice anything except it's going to sound louder. But uh, if you detune the left side by you know ten cents or whatever, and and detune the right side up by ten cents, then you you know all of a sudden you get this stereo. They do that uh, with synths as well. Effect. With uh, they do that with synths as well. Uh, yeah, there, there's a few effects in guitar rig that 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 have like presets for that. Um, yeah, yeah, and and it's actually like a really useful effect, and it's just it's bizarre, but it's like because I think you know you come at music making and record making with like everything needs to be a hundred percent in tune, and it's actually the most boring thing in the world when everything is exactly a hundred percent in tune. Something yeah, so, something it sounds fishy when it it sounds fake when it's yeah exactly. In tune. So we actually, I mean, and that, that, you know, that's on like a micro level, just doing like a stereo effect, but we actually need out of tuneness as listeners to stay engaged with a record, which is a really weird thing to say. Like that's a very counterintuitive thing to say. And like most things need to be in tune, but that approach into a note that a singer does, you know, yeah. Yep. That you know that slide and that's that builds tension that sort of gets um, comes back to the old tension. Well, and release. actually, I have a, I have a good so say for instance blues licks. Um, yeah, John Mayer was talking about this. Like uh, you know when old blues singers would sing stuff, they're not singing perfectly in tune now. So like what I just played there, that wasn't in tune. That wasn't. And it wasn't. It was. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of sounds shitty. Uh, <laughs> or right that. Yeah. Like that's not. Uh, is. You know what I mean? So like. Yeah. Tuning. Yeah, it, not being perfect. It, it is an interesting thing. Uh, that's called microtonal bending on guitar, which sounds super bluesy and awesome. Yeah, and you can uh, right. It does sound awesome, and this like music is so boring without that, right? But if you yeah. ride it, and that's where some of that that artistry and feel just comes in. But like if you if you ride that line just right, um, and usually it involves on like landing on an in tune note and approaching yeah. it with yeah. an out of tune note is sort of the formula there. But like you know, if you if you do it wrong, it just sounds out of tune. But if you do well, it right, it ones. sounds certain ones yeah. you can get away with like thirds you can play with and, and and fifths but the root you generally you can't you gotta land like in terms of like landing it like you said you gotta land on the root but i feel like you can you can land on a slightly out of tune third or fifth what was i gonna say oh gosh i had a thing and i've lost it um it was about microtonal stuff uh Oh, yes. One thing that I find that's interesting that singers don't obsess about, everybody obsesses about the tone of their voice. Like, oh, you know, I want my voice to sound strong and or like, you know, I want my voice to be whispery. But the tuning is, is not something that people obsess about. Like, I don't see a lot of singers who who take 
or I, I haven't seen like singing teachers on YouTube who talk about like this is how you work on your tuning. You know, here's a chord. Mm. Try to sing this note and like nail it. You know, I still struggle with that as well too. You know, if you if you play a note for me and I sing it, I don't think it's going to be you know like dead the same. It's difficult. Uh, your tuning it's is a difficult amazing. thing to teach. But yeah. that's dude, when I goes. when I hear your your music Monday on on Instagram, uh, music Monday on your Twitch, Twitch. channel, <laughs> Twitch.tv slash <laughs> Now now, now streaming now streaming Thursday nights as well as Mondays. And it's uh, it's, like it it doesn't sound auto tuned in the sense of um, like like the plug in auto tune where it's like yeah, there's auto tune on that. Mm. It sounds like it's been professionally tuned you know what i mean like i don't hear notes where i'm like oh yeah this is live you know and some singers are like oh, that thanks. some singers are not you know some singers man i i gotta i gotta say like working with um like a couple names that come to mind but there's a there's a, a, a every singer I, i've i've I'm, I'm so blessed to work with so many great singers, you know. But uh, like Max Shepard, yes, um, that's a talented working man with right him there. on the on the Christmas record. Like he can hear everything, man. He like he's his ears are way faster than mine. And like he, you know, if we're going on one of his vocals, you know, he'll he'll point out stuff. He'll be like, yeah, that that word of. That was flat, you know. It's like okay, and I go in there. It's like sure enough, it is, and we fix yeah. it, or we don't because it doesn't sound as vibey. But like, yeah, you know, or like uh, I remember doing um, the last uh, group of tunes I did for Dylan Wallace, him coming in after I had edited the vocals, and he had like, and I feel like I'm pretty meticulous when I edit vocals in terms of trying to get everything in yeah. tune without um, without wrecking the, the vibe of it. Here we go again with saying you know out of tune stuff has has a certain vibe but um you know he came in and he was like yeah here 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 and yeah. sure enough like they were all he's like this is flat this is sharp i was like yes it is okay yeah let's yeah. fix that you know and uh alessia cole was another one who yeah who she's really, very talented as well uh, ca- a cognizant of of pitch but i mean i think like sing like i, I as a singer especially with this with uh, maybe this is sad to say but like with the software uh, I don't think it's sad to say, but maybe some people will think this, but yeah. with the software that exists, pitch is not really that much of a problem. Uh, for recording. Recording. It's yeah. one of the easier things to fix. Um, and so I guess the reason I'm saying this is like, if you're going into a session as a singer, your um, just your energy and your... True. Uh, commitment to the lyric and like y- you know the story that you're telling and the tone of your voice and like how your ideas choosing to yeah. sing those notes and yeah, your dynamics yeah. and like like that stuff you can't change any of that pronunciation is another big one to too teach, man Fuck. yeah pronunciation is a really big one too and like having um the right the right emphasis on the right syllable you know what i mean yeah. like that that kind of stuff it, that stuff you can't fix. You got to sing that in again. If you sung the shit out of that line and it was, you know, a few cents flat, I can fix it if we want. Yes. That's easy to do. So in a way, like I, I don't think hyper analyzing pitch is really as important as after the um, fact. But if if I had a practice routine as a singer, I, I once again, I'm not a singer, 
But yeah. I feel like that would be a part of my practice routine. You know, I'll I mean, like if you, tone, yeah, tuning. if you're always singing out of tune, yes, then, which I am. <laughs> you know, you need you need to figure that out. But like, I, I just mean like you know, being super. Uh, super worried about pitch in this day and age doesn't seem to matter as much at, at least in the recording studio but um, it's also interesting to hear people sing who've like grown up in the world of autotune really? and I would I would um, almost count myself in this group but like just the the, the singers who their their notes are so pin straight in terms of pitch and they can step through, like, you know, scales um, and do licks and stuff. And it almost, it's never going to sound as blocky as T-Pain autotune. Yes. But it's tight because they've been listening to, um, you know, these singers that have, you, you know, who are obviously already amazing singers, but have that aid of yes software pitch correction. So people are coming up listening to music and their favorite singers sound like that they can do runs that are so tight uh and i really can't do runs that are that tight but but you know they come up learning that and 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 you know i'm opening up their their vocal track in the session i'm like i don't need i don't need to do anything (laughs) well it's funny when you listen to like an old motown recording and like yeah the tuning is not like perfect no and it's true like i feel like certain people would go listen to that like you but the I mean? but the vibe and the intensity yeah. and the the emotion the is is yeah is yeah. like off the chain and like I don't know if you've ever heard those things where like people auto tune the Beatles and stuff to like make everything perfectly in and it just sounds no, ridiculous really because the record wasn't they're doing well, it I mean, as a taking, joke right <laughs> yeah of course they're like okay. here oh auto tune so bad here's what do you think they the Beatles didn't need it and but it is it is like a cool experiment to to see what that does to you know a classic sounding recording where people were using their ears people were using the beats that i was showing you earlier where it's like yeah this sounds out of tune because these notes are rubbing let's let's fix it yeah and just sort of feeling that out of course they had tuners as well but when we're talking about singing you know they, yeah. yeah they're yeah, just yeah. they're just doing it by ear right and it's a little bit out sometimes and it's it it worked for that era but i think we're now in an in an era where you have less um room to play around with being out you know you still need yeah. you, you still need out of tune without out of tune there is no in tune but um you 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 uh you have less real estate to play around with because everything's super high res recording everything's recorded right up close to the mic so there's no real forgiveness with like a room or like a you know yeah um, like a reverb or something but you can put reverb you can put delay you can put distortion you can do things to sort of sort of mess up the frequency content uh and the overtones to sort of make things hit a little bit softer uh which is another sort of technique to to make things sound more in tune Uh, but i i i I find it really interesting to uh yeah to think about and experiment with like that side of it as well yeah. yeah tuning's important that's the that's the biggest thing like whether it's like you know not making a conscious effort to not be you know if you're if you're a fucking melodone melodyne guy and making an effort not to like destroy the track by tuning everything or yeah. whether it's the opposite of you're a singer 
or a guitarist like myself included some of my bands the you know the tuning is not great you know needs work mm-hmm. yeah but it's like how you approach that bend because if you come into that bend if you hit the if you're bending the two to the three and you get to the major third right away like it doesn't really it's not as interesting yeah yep. as if yep. you yep. sort of slowly get there um and melodyne obviously is a big one but like if you're using melodyne or antares or one of those softwares to do pitch correction just really trying to rely on your ear and not looking at the pitch graph sure because it's it doesn't always get it right like sometimes those softwares they pull the vocal uh they analyze the vocal and they they got it wrong they said it was three cents flat and it it's actually not or it just sounds good three cents flat so just leave yeah it. yeah yeah, yeah. As, yeah. and especially like the onsets and offsets of notes if that's a word to describe what i'm trying to talk about but like you know the middle of the note i want that to be in tune the surrounding yep. stuff i usually try to leave that alone because that's where you're gonna lose that Do human you element see in melodyne almost signs of a singer that maybe has like bad breath support or doesn't have almost the control to know where the pitch is you see people that maybe shoot above yeah, it I mean, come into can, it or something or yeah you can sort of see when when a when a vocal part's kind of all over the place like just the way that the the lines move around it, it, yeah. it is kind of evident yeah yeah but, that's interesting um, happens to the best of us man happens to the best of us oh my god fucking yeah if, if i were to do if you were to take a vocal take of mine and melodyne it you would have a lot of work lots of work to do yeah um, the backup i'll just slam it as hard as i can and turn it down call you know? it a day yeah. call it a day <laughs> slap on the, uh, uh, the 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 actual auto-tune it's funny that they <laughs> they lap auto-tune and melodyne together because to me auto-tune is like you slap it on and you have very limited control over like like how much it does it's just it does mm. whereas melodyne yeah. you put it on and then you have to be like well i can just nudge that just that yeah word. you can get real microscopic with it i mean melodyne's got some functions where you just sort of select all the notes and just say put them all snap them all in tune and whatever happens happens but it <laughs> generally doesn't work out too well you have to yeah there's programs that specialize in like dialing it in you know however much 50 percent in tune and they'll just sort of nudge everything in but really the, the only way to get it in my experience to to really go come it. across sounding natural but also good uh is is to get right in there and just work on every note and make sure that the parts that need to be in tune are and the parts that don't need to be in tune or need to be out of tune uh yeah. are, you know stay that way try not to alter uh, especially if you've got a great vocal performance really try not to do too much to it um but it is a very meticulous sort of thing but yeah with backups you know whatever you just <laughs> not as much no nah, you still have to be pretty meticulous with them but you can hit yeah, them harder exactly because they're I, gonna sit I, back um, i feel like yeah like it, it's like if anything sticks out you're listening to the track and you're like oh you you're not yeah you're not gonna notice the artifacts as much but Another thing I've been trying to do, we kind of kind of just taking a turn into tuning Melodyne. vocals, but like, give us a sponsorship, Selimony. Been trying not to solo. It's so hard to do without soloing sometimes. But like, if you're tuning stacks of backgrounds, trying not to like try to keep the track on in the background. I see. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've d- I've gone too far tuning stacks where they like 
you know, this four four part harmony or whatever, and they're all like pin straight in tune. They sound amazing, and then you put them in the track, and they don't make any sense. They yeah, sound like a the synth, track's not pin. They sound straight. like a synth yeah. keyboard. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. like, you know, this is a grungy rock song. Why is it, why is there why is there a glee vocal on top? Yeah. But also too, like your your like a guitar is not going to be perfectly tuned, you know. No, like just in yeah. the same way that you were saying, oh, if you went through and and by ear fixed each chord for the thirds and stuff like that, so that they were like a little bit flat. It's like every instrument would have to do that. All yeah. the backups would have to do that. You know, if the bass played a third at any point for some reason, it would have. Yeah, to Yeah, you just do that. start losing the the natural sort of vibe of the song. It just gets weird when you try to pick away at these like small little mm. you know tuning differentials it, it, it does get really weird um or can it can but um anyways i don't know now i'm just rambling about tuning yeah pythagoras would be ashamed stuff. of us yeah yeah or whoever the mesopotamian person was that decided uh, <laughs> to, to well thanks man out. i mean that was a that was a thought-provoking and I just thought uh, it was interesting. Interesting yeah. discuss- discussion. Yeah. yeah. Historical um, discoveries with Michael Hebbs. Yeah. It needs a theme yeah. song. There you go. Um well let's let's wrap us let's wrap us up right there uh, as we are getting on here. Um if you want to contact the podcast, like we said at the beginning, musicguypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Alro Music at Bruno the Meek. Um what else was I going to say? What's the I song had of the something week? earlier. Oh, I don't know yet. I got to put that in. Oh, okay, <laughs> I got to put well, that in after the, the song break. of the but week yeah, if you, is... If you want to send us music to play, please do uh, for the song of the week. And, uh, of course, uh, send in your questions. Uh, and we, uh, we love you. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Our song of the week comes to us from Dylan Wallace. Dylan is a country rock artist out of Holland Landing, Ontario. He was a top 10 finalist in the national singing competition known as The Shot in 2018 and performed at the Magna Hoedown opening up for Alan Doyle in September of 2019. This is uh, his latest single. It's called Not Your First Rodeo. Uh, Actually, I had a little hand producing this one alongside uh, the guys from The Agenda, so we hope you enjoy it. Here's Not Your First Rodeo by Dylan Wallace. Hot summer sun, back of a pickup truck. She's got the tailgate down and the volume up. Wearing Daisy Dukes, shirts out up in a knot. Dancing to Johnny Cash, she's giving all she's got. Southern Auburn hair, that California smile. That you shall make it go the extra mile Come on, baby, go, go, go It's not your first rodeo One move, I already know You've been around here before When the sun goes down on this town tonight You'll be dancing by those happy lights Come on, baby, go, go, go It's not your first Stop and stare, but she won't bat an eye She knows just what she's doing, but doesn't have to try Grabs a shot of Jack, and downs it fast Stomps her boots to the beach, she's never turning back She's looking over here, but staying 
the tailgate down and the volume up. Come on, baby, go, go, go. It's not your first rodeo. One move, I already know. You've been around.